Welcome to The Real Ethics, where we talk all things real related to ethics and reference to professional practices and pop culture. I'm your host, Ronnie Brooks. I want you all to do me a favor. I want you to grab your phone or any other technological device you may have handy and type in legal issues surrounding search engines and liability and see what pops up. Well, for me, three things pop up. One, Copyright infringement of individuals, defamatory content in search results, and last, autocomplete suggestions affecting freedom of speech, privacy, and personality of individuals. You're probably wondering what is the significance of this and why are you having us type this into search engines? Well, Dr. Rua Benjamin, a sociologist and associate professor of African American studies at Princeton, calls these systems the new gem code. They're labeled this because of how they perpetrate inequality. She discusses this in detail in her recent book, The Race After Technology. What does this have to do with the real ethics? Well, in this episode, we're going to discuss the ethical dilemma that surrounds search engines and the unethical practices, as well as discriminatory practices of tech companies and what author Sophia Umoya Noble calls the algorithms of oppression. Hi there, how are you doing? I am wonderful. <laughs> I am so sorry, that flight is canceled. No, no, no. Customer incident at the other end. So when is the next flight? Yeah, they're all kind of full. Uh, I booked this weeks ago. It's my best friend's wedding. I'm sorry. I have to get there. I have to. Okay, let's see what we can do. Oh, thank you. I see there's one standby seat on another plane leaving tonight. Oh, okay. Uh, that's reserved for members of our prime flight program. You got to be a 4.2 or over to qualify. Oh, I'm I'm a 4.2. I'm afraid you're actually a 4.183. Oh. Well, that's not my fault. Um, some woman dinged me down in the couch. Can't you just? I'm sorry. It won't let me book it without the correct ranking. But it's so close. There's just nothing I can do. Christ, I mean, surely. I'm gonna have to ask you to moderate your language there. Sorry, it's just. I'm maid of honor. I cannot miss this wedding. And I am so sorry about that. Can you call the supervisor? I cannot do that. Can you just call the supervisor? I cannot do that. Call the fucking supervisor. Okay, that's profanity. We're zero tolerance on profanity. I'm sorry, it's just... Yeah, I have to serve the next customer. No, 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 I've called security. Oh, oh, no, 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 please don't do that. Um, I'm, I'm a five-starring you, five-stars. What's the issue here, Hannah? Intimidation and profanity. Oh, no, 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 I was not intimidating. Don't speak, ma'am. I was just trying ma'am? to... Ma'am? Okay, so, 
In order to restore calm, I'm invoking my authority as airport security to dock you one full ranking point as a punitive measure. This is a temporary measure. No! The score reverts to normal in 24 hours. No, 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 but During I need it now! Period, all down votes are subject to a times two multiplier. Times two? We recommend you avoid negative feedback at this time. I'm on double damage? Please, remove yourself from the airport immediately. The clip you just heard is from the season three of the Netflix series Black Myria. The episode's titled Nosedive. This episode depicts a society in which ratings and reviews determines one's worth and access to the finer things in life. And it shows you how a young lady is valued based off of data and perception controlled by social media apps algorithm. This is no different from what we see now and how one's community, race, gender, and sexual orientation, religion, ethnicity are presented through various tech platforms and search engines. Writer Sajana Farghese from The Guardian poses the question of how software is programmed by tech giants and the idea that software can have prejudice embedded in it known as algorithmic bias. This usually results in biased outcomes and amplifies this prejudice, according to her article. This is the ethical dilemma we will be discussing in this episode. Ethics and the search. So let's reel it out. If you search specific topics on race, specifically women of color, from the years of 2001 and 2011, you will find some unsettling things, specifically amongst women of color like black women. This kind of what drove Dr. Noble's research on algorithms of oppression and led to this book. She was a heavy hitter within the research field of technology, looking at discriminatory practices of tech firms and in changing in the ways in which search engines labeled and identified different groups of individuals. I mean, if you typed in 2015, black couples, the label came up as gorillas. This was no different from Google Knowledge Box stating that blacks are least intelligent of all races. This wasn't just common amongst Blacks, it's also common amongst Asian women, as well as Hispanics, and as well as different gender identities. But supposedly, search engines have some form of code of ethics. It's known as the ethical SEO, which is defined as a search engine marketing using only techniques and strategies that search engines consider to be acceptable. This manipulation exists within advertising, marketing, and social media. The key word here is considered to be acceptable, which makes it subjective, not objective. Because most of these systems do not have moral compasses. They learn from data and behavioral patterns of the users. For example, if a bunch of kids of Instagram continue to like some specific post about a woman's body image, that post becomes more relevant than an actual post that's more representative of that female. This is the problem we are continuing to see amongst social media platforms. And me not being that knowledgeable within this area, I kind of called up someone that I knew that was really passionate about this and who's doing a lot within the community to address how search engines are used amongst different individuals and how people are perceived through search engines as well as communities. I interviewed Alejandro Martinez, and we had a great discussion 
and he provided so much insight into what he's doing to make a difference. And this is how our conversation went. Engines um, tell stories in themselves, right? We look, we use them and we can search things and there's a narrative being built. I met Alejandro at an art exhibit at the Hill Street Country Club in Oceanside, California. He was very outspoken and free with his words and he brought back attention of the continuous ethical issues surrounding search engines. I decided to bring him on for this episode because I thought it'd be relevant to talk to someone who's a little bit more familiar with kind of doing social change and activism within this area. Thank you for having me, Ronnie. Um, pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Alejandro. I'm co-founder and leader of a participatory arts project called Tira Together. Um, and that kind of goes into a little bit of your question. Uh, it's a participatory arts program that is intended to give tools and resources to young folk in our community to be able to tell their own stories. And I think, you know, going right into it, search engines um, tell stories in themselves, right? We look, we use them and we can search things and there's a narrative being built. I'm a photographer, I teach photo in, in, in this art project. Um, something really important with photography is that it's very powerful in using images to tell stories, you know, going back to the story mode. Uh, search engines and search image results and all of these things, well, you know, they, they exist on a screen. Everything on a screen can be turned into an image. You can screen shoot it. Uh, and when you screen shoot that image, you can, uh, you can make a JPEG, uh, you can open it up on Photoshop and you can invert it and make a digital negative, which uh, I use in my, in my programs uh, to, to print using a cyanotype printing process. It's like an old 19th century uh, printing process. It's, that's why we have blueprints. That's why they're called blueprints. They're printed in the okay. sun, they turn blue. Um, so something that I like to use in, in my classes and, and in my programs, and I actually got this idea, I have to give credit uh, where it's due, from Riz Javier, uh, who is an arts leader here in the community as well. Uh, working in the Juvenile Corn Community School District um, is something uh, that is not, um, like you don't know until you're there, right? Or unless you grew up in one of those schools, right? Or, or unless yeah. you grew up in a community that has those schools embedded in its school district, which, which most communities do. There's always that one school, right? Where uh, quote unquote, all the bad kids go. Yeah. Um, that's the juvenile corn community school district, right? Of course, as educators, we walk into these spaces and like that's not the that's not what we see, right? There's no bad. Yeah, thing here. of course. Yeah. Um, what we see is we see a broken system, we see uh, misunderstood uh, lives, identities, uh, repressed identities. We see uh, mental health, of course. We see a bunch of things, but we don't see bad kids. Um, yeah. How, so, uh, and this kind of goes back into the search engine thing. Um, when you search these these uh, spaces, um, for example, for me, you know, I come from a trans border border background. I grew up in between two cities, um, and was uh, crossing a lot back and forth. Not only that, I, I come from a mixed uh, status family, uh, extended family. I have uh, folks in my, in my community and my family that uh, unfortunately cannot cross. You know, when when they want. Um, so growing up with that um, and growing up with the border and seeing it every day, you know, I saw it today, I crossed today. Um, well, you see it in real life and you live it. Um, but then when you see it on the news or when you see it on Google image search, um, I don't see my life. I don't see uh, my story. I don't see my mom's story. I don't see 
um, my, my, my classmate's story, you know, who's waking up alongside me at 3 a.m., 4 in the morning to go to school. Um, I don't see, so I, you know, you don't see the story of the vendor, right? You don't see the story of the, you know, the refugees uh, waiting outside of the port of entry on a daily basis, yeah. you know, for their, for their right to be heard, uh, to be seen, um, according to the Refugee Act of uh, 1980. Um, but you don't see those stories. So something really powerful with the search, uh, search uh, engine, image result, um, kind of theme, practice, technique, uh, workshop, whatever, uh, is that you're able to, with your students, right, who you're trying to, um, uh, I, I don't want to say trying to empower, they empower themselves, but uh, kind of uh, uh, opening a pathway to be able to see that um, there is this narrative, there is this story, we're already aware, folks are already aware, they're aware, right? How do we use our own, how do we use data that's already, that we're creating because data is power, data is what runs the world uh, and metadata, right? Metadata yeah. runs even more intrinsically is what, we'll get to that, right? It is like what, that's, yeah. that's the shit. Um, why is it that data and metadata is continually being used against us? We know the answer to that, we know why, why that is, but how about uh, we start creating our own data and appropriating, reappropriating our data and our metadata and um, fucking with these search engine results, right? So for, so it talked about the Riz and that's where I got the idea from and using that. Um, and I, I know that the Audra project is still working with this theme and still working with this, with this uh, project. I, I know that Riz uses it a lot in her programs. Um, I think that it's incredibly powerful. I think that Telling students to search, uh, for example, wherever they're from, we'd have students uh, from La Mesa, uh, City Heights, right? Paradise Hills, Chula Vista, San Isidro, uh, in some cases, Tijuana, because we have transborder kids. A lot of the times as photographers, we think that an image is always being taken with the camera, but images are, can be made. I mean, I can make an image right now of what we're doing and I can screen shoot it, right? And I can print that. And that, and that becomes a photograph. So I think, that and again breaking down these like barriers of accessibility that it, especially in the world of photography i mean photography for a long ass time has been the white man's game right has been always has been uh, shit i went to city college and all the photographers including all of my instructors were white all the people that i learned about in photography were these white men ansel adams edward weston uh Henri cartier brisson robert frank like all like sure amazing work don't get me wrong but it's like, where was Roy de Carava? You know, where okay. was Manuel Alvarez Bravo? Like, where were these people? And I didn't, I had to go into the San Diego City Library by myself and look through the aisles and look for photos that I was like, hey, well, that's fucking Mexico. I was like, from like my grandparents' time, right? I'd never seen these yeah. images before. Being able to show students that, yes, like cameras are dope, but you can make images using the cyanotype printing process of essentially anything that you want. You need a printer, you need digital transparent, you need transparency paper and you need this $10 cyanotype kit with watercolor paper and you can start making images. And sure, of course, you know, let's get $500,000 to get a camera someday. But in the meantime, like we can do this and we can work with this to resist these, like, cause that's what search engines are. They're, they're, they're uh, perpetuating stereotypes, yep. right? They're, I mean, you, or stigmas or these um, societal constructs that we've been taught to believe. I was involved in a project called Border Click, 
that's like really dear to my heart um, okay. to this day. But that was a project that was that was with the Oz, using the Aja project as a fiscal sponsor. Um, but essentially, it was its own like special project. It was really special and unique. But one of the things that was really important from the very beginning of that project that started in 2016 was, and it was about the transborder community, folks that cross back and forth, um, and the the outlying and sub sub communities and outer line other communities that existed within our own community. Of course, the border community is like hella diverse, um, but like there's so much data at the border. You know, like even just with the cameras alone, like there's literally a thousand cameras on us. Like when you're crossing, there's a thousand cameras, there's motion sensors, there's all of this crazy hyper surveillance technology that's being used essentially against you, right? Um, like how how can we use this for our like our advantage? How can we use it's that very famous quote, right? Like using the master's tools against the master. Like, do you do it or do you not? You yeah. know, and it's I like, love that you use that quote. Yeah, it's because it's because we had because we had conversations that we have to when you come from uh, an abolitionist perspective, like you have to think of, of course, other abolitionists and think, well, what was their what was their mentality? What, 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 how were folks doing things back in their time, or what were they thinking, right? And I think that when we're up against like these monsters um we kind of have to hack the system is what we called it right it's like these bo border hack. whenever you search the border what you get is donald trump's border like you just get a wall you know you that's get a crazy wall. that's all you get like yeah you can do it right now you can search the border and you're just gonna you're gonna get walls you're gonna get these like um really sad pictures of these incredibly inhumane humanitarian disasters at the border right the refugee caravans like that's what you're gonna get you're gonna get this like narrative of of sadness of of despair of of murder of crime uh, of like literally all of the like all of the checkbox like you're gonna get that right what do you get when you search prisons right yeah, you, what yeah. do you get right what do you get yeah. when you search uh juvenile court and community schools what do you get when you search so these like what do you get like you get what is being fed to you like on a daily basis yeah, you know so crazy when you put it like that too like it's just that it's the narrative. It's like the, it's like a form of propaganda, and it's the narrative that's being like kind of being told of these different communities or individuals or genders or races, whatever it may be. But it's crazy. It's it's a narrative that's being and told, it's, and it's an it's a narrative that's being told. And unfortunately, folks think that they're searching on the search box, and they think that they're getting the truth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like you're gonna search the border, and like they don't. I guess like how do you put this? Like when you search the border, like you don't really know what you're going to get. Like you're getting what you think you should be getting. Yeah. You know, you trust, you're trusting these algorithms and these trusting certain Google. things to provide you legit information. That's right. It's like, that's if, truthful. if yeah. you, if you search the border and let's say you, you had like, you know, in playas in the beach and in, in Tijuana and playas, like that beach is hella lively. Like you have like fiestas going on all day. You have yeah. like, like you know, like musical, like it's beautiful. It's a like, of course, contrasted with the steel barrier that's right there is hella sad, but still there's a life going on, right? There's a community. There's like, if you search the border and that's what you got, like, you know, maybe the, maybe there would be, I, I mean, I guess I don't want to euphemize the border either. You know, if you were to be able to search it and actually see like different identities and not just like the scope narrative of like, this is the border and uh, this is what it does. This is like 
this is what it does. It stops folks from coming to the border. This is what these folks look like uh, in their most literally desperate moments of their lives, right? Yeah. Here's an image of them. Uh, next to them, here's the image of the steel barricade. And then next to them, here's this like crime scene, like sticker or whatever, like from a crime photo that happened in Tijuana because of like border violence. So all you get is border violence. And I think that if you were able to search the, the search engine, you know, as like a lot of kids do that I'm sure from the border or come from, you know, I keep using prisons, but come from like prison background, like home backgrounds, you know, like what if like when you search prisons, like instead you saw like, uh, like male, uh, men, men, men support groups, right? Yeah. Like rehabilitation, rehabilitation, like mental you, health, group therapy, like no, art therapy, like, like, yeah, like you saw hope. training. Yeah. Like, what if you saw hope, right? What if you saw hope instead of like, the opposite of that and i think you there there that book that you mentioned you know um by ruha was her name right ruha? yeah yeah i think that that sounds like such an important book because like how do we begin to sort of like reprogram uh the internet so that it's no longer this tool essentially even this minute being used against us but as this really like democratic tool uh that and i mean democratic not in a political sense but like in the, in the, in the actual sense of where it's being used by everybody yeah. you know to be able to do uh essentially what we're we're meant to do is express ourselves and be ourselves and tell tell our story whoever we may be wherever we may come from and the truth is is that the internet doesn't allow for that to happen from certain people from certain communities How do we consume healthy data? The Garden Inequality Project said it best, if the data we feed the machines reflects the history of our own unequal society, we are in effect asking the program to learn our own biases. According to the ethicalios.org and the Institute for the Future, there are solutions to this ethical dilemma, but it requires companies to look at risk and ethical harm and to develop new systems that are based with ethical intention. And it starts with teaching ethics and holding tech companies and employees accountable to ethical standards and a code of conduct. The Institute for the Future outlined eight risk zones to help identify biases, discriminatory practices, and behaviors that exist. For example, looking at truth and disinformation and propaganda on the web. They also outlined six strategies to building a better system that is based on ethics, by issuing red flag rules, a Hippocratic oath, teaching ethics and education with at the college level for these tech firms and these individuals, and a license to design based off of ethics. If we do nothing, data discrimination will continue to haunt marginalized individuals and communities on the web. This remains the constant ethical dilemma with growing technology from apps and social media platforms. I hope with open discussion, these matters can be addressed and resolved by involving the individuals in the development process. This is gonna require hiring individuals who represent these communities, reinforcing culture humility, and education on ethics into the tech world. To rid of our historical biases, we have to change the systems within and give a voice that reflects positive attributes of diversity. Thank you for listening on this episode, Ethics in the Search. 
If you like what you're hearing and would like to continue reeling out ethical dilemmas with us, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. We'd love to hear from you. And like I always say, that's a wrap. Thank you.